It's 14 after 11 o'clock, so I'm going to pause it there with the voice notes and get into our health talk this morning. We're focusing on hypertension and basically what is hypertension? What are some of the contributing factors um, to the development of hypertension? Dr. Erica Jones is a nephrologist and hypertension specialist at Hrutuskir Hospital and the University of Cape Town. Dr. Jones, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being part of our program this morning. Firstly, let's talk about hypertension. What is hypertension? Well, hypertension is basically a, well, a term for high elevated blood pressures. Now, elevated blood pressure is the biggest cause of death worldwide, including in South Africa. Mm. So hypertension is when the blood pressure in the arteries goes high, uh, for various many reasons, um, and then it causes damage to the organs in the body, so the brain, the heart, the kidneys, and the eyes are the particular organs that mm. are affected. Are there are there specific warning signs of hypertension? You know, unfortunately, it's uh, most of the time there are no warning signs until it's too late, until mm. you have a catastrophic event. So uh, the warning signs um, basically uh, yeah it's known as the silent killer mm. so the warning signs are not present until you have end-stage kidney failure you have a heart attack or you have a stroke so it is important to screen your blood for your blood pressure every adult in South Africa and across the world should have their blood pressure checked at least every year and then guided on the readings decide on further checking. Let's talk about the prevalence of hypertension uh, in, in, in terms of the population demographics. Um, uh, w- how does it affect women and men? How does it affect young and old? So uh, traditionally we think of hypertension as an older person's problem. But if you look at population groups that were unexposed to or living a very natural life. So you're looking at the people that are living um, in the middle of the Amazon, in the middle of the African jungles, middle of the African desert. These people, until recently, have had, uh, basically there was no age association with an elevation in blood pressure. Mm. So it was a flat line um, throughout the age um, in these populations. Until now, when most of these populations are exposed to um, um, urbanization, really, um, and they're exposed to high salt content in their diet, high sugar, um, easy lifestyles, less exercise. And as a result of that, we're seeing a rise in blood pressure across the ages. Unfortunately, we're also seeing a rise in blood pressure in younger people across the world. So we're seeing it in in children. We're seeing it in mm. um, young adults as well. And this is very concerning because now obviously you've got extra added concerns, but you've got a population group that mm. um, are going to die early as a result of hypertension. So we need to be very aware of hypertension in younger groups. And then the other concern is that if you look at data um, over time, um, high-income countries are actually getting on top of their blood pressure control. And currently in the low- and middle-income countries, we're seeing about 75% of the world's um, 
um, hypertension are living in the low and middle income countries. Mm -hmm. So this is very concerning. So we're seeing a rise in prevalence across Africa. In Southern Africa, um, in 2010, it was around about 45% of the adult population had um, were documented to have elevated blood pressures. Does it present in the same way? And I know you, you spoke earlier about the difficulty of um, identifying um, hypertension or high blood pressure. Does it present in the same way in adults as it does in children? Because you, you spoke about the fact that you're having an increasing number of children uh, who also are hypertensive. So not really different in presentation or uh, in although in children it is there's a very very strong association with obesity so mm. uh, and and a, a lazy lifestyle um, there is that association with adults um, but maybe the, the numbers kind of are slightly lower in relation to obesity in the adults compared to children because in children um, your healthy child is far more likely to have a normal blood pressure. Is it a lifestyle a, disease? It is definitely a lifestyle disease. It is caused by lifestyle challenges or um, lazy lifestyle. So the easy lifestyle of getting our food, fast foods from the shops, sitting on the couch, watching TV while we're not doing any exercise, having a high salt diet, high sugar diet, lots of... Um, uh, like uh, yeah, lots of fast foods, low um, volume of fruit and vegetables. Mm. These are the problems that lead to hypertension. Having said that, not everyone that has hypertension will uh, have a lifestyle component. You're going to get some people who just get high, high blood pressures and there's nothing that can point or nothing can be reversed from a lifestyle point of view. But the vast majority are life, lifestyle res- um, related and if you correct and reverse the lifestyle problems you can actually uh, improve the blood pressure and normalize your blood pressure even without treatment but then you have Mm -hmm. to work hard and make sure that you optimize your your weight optimize your diet um, decrease salt increase exercise no smoking minimal alcohol all of those things that we know that we have to do you have to make sure that you're doing it if you want to reverse your hypertension. Dr. Erica Jones, she's a hypertension specialist at Gear Hospital and the University of Cape Town, will talk about the treatment of hypertension. I'll also be taking your calls on um, the specific questions you may have for Dr. Jones this morning. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 23 after 11 o'clock for our health feature today. We're in conversation with Dr. Erica Jones, and she's a hypertension specialist at Grotteskir Hospital and the University of Cape Town. So, Dr. Jones, let's speak about um, the diagnosis for hypertension and the difference between primary and secondary hypertension? Okay, so the diagnosis of hypertension is based on a blood pressure cuff reading. All you need to do is sit down, be in the correct position for a fair, uh, five minutes um, with various other stipulations and have this cuff uh, pump up in the arm 
and then it releases the pressure and then we detect the blood flowing through the arm as the pressure is released. It's maybe a bit uncomfortable, but it's fairly painful, painless. It's harmless, uh, harmless, completely harmless, and it's very easy to do. If you go in and have your blood pressure checked, you want at least three readings and get an average of the readings. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to have multiple times that you go and have your blood pressure checked. Um, but it is easy. It's quick. It's going to take no more than 10 minutes out of your life. It is highly important that you do um, check your blood pressure because it is the only way to diagnose hypertension. Should, should all these three readings be on the same day? So whenever you have your blood pressure checked, you should mm-hmm. have about three readings, depending on the readings. But um, basically, ideally, you want three readings at each time you have your blood pressure checked because we all have this effect where we kind of react to the first reading and then it tends to settle. So you generally want three readings so you can get an idea of of the variation in your blood pressure. Mm. Um, but to make a diagnosis of hypertension, you need to have two different occasions where you check your blood pressure. So that's the diagnosis. Um, and yeah, as I say, it is very easy. It can be done with a pharmacy. It can be done with your GP. Uh, and it can be done on a number of other settings as well. So... Go out and, and take your blood and, and, and the difference between primary and secondary hypertension? So primary hi- hypertension is basically when there's no specific cause. And secondary hypertension is when there is a specific cause for the high blood pressure. Mm. So secondary hypertension could be due to kidney disease. But that's quite confusing because high blood pressure causes kidney disease. So it can be difficult to differentiate the two. But basically, if you've got kidney disease or you've got a blockage in the artery that goes to the kidney or um, you've got some other strange and rare um, diseases, they they are rare as causes of hypertension, the secondary causes. Mm. Um, So before you consider a secondary cause, um, make sure you think about it carefully because the vast majority of people do have primary hypertension, which has got no cause. If one is not feeling well uh, or has perhaps another illness that could well be an underlying condition, can that have an impact on the blood pressure reading of an individual? Yes. So if you've got um, a cause for your hypertension, so secondary hypertension, often the blood pressures will be worse, uh, much higher. Mm. Sometimes they will vary. So sometimes you'll have a normal blood pressure and sometimes you'll have a very high blood pressure. Um, But as I said, these are rare. And if you have a normal blood pressure and sometimes a high blood pressure, it may well be something called white coat hypertension. So when you see the doctor, the blood pressure goes up. And that can easily be checked out for by doing different blood pressure readings like a 24-hour blood pressure Mm. or home monitoring of your blood pressure to rule that out. At which point must people be given medication, especially long-term medication for the treatment of hypertension? Um, So once you have a diagnosis of hypertension, if you can't reverse it with lifestyle changes, then 
you would need to be on treatment for the rest of your life. So if you've prescribed blood pressure treatment, that's it. For the rest of your life, obviously pending some changes um, made by your doctor, you need to be taking antihypertensive treatment for the rest of your life. Now, there's some situations where we might postpone initiating antihypertensive therapy. So we mm-hmm. would maybe, if the blood pressure is only slightly high, we will say, well, try exercise more, try improve your diet, decrease your alcohol, decrease your salts, um, and then we would go from there and say, uh, okay, we're winning, or no, we're not, take treatment. So when it comes to, you know, prescribing treatment to patients, I mean, would it be fair for patients to say, well, um, before I go on this treatment, give me an opportunity to try and change what I can? Or or must you automatically be given that treatment? So it depends on what the blood pressure is. Mm -hmm. Is it absolutely be fair if the blood pressure is high to moderately high? If it is extremely high, then you need to start antihypertensive therapy mm. and you need to take it for the rest of your life. So absolutely, we recommend three to six months of lifestyle intervention to start treatment if the blood pressure is mild to moderately elevated. Mm. So in terms of the first visit, um, uh, Dr. Dr. Jones, I just want to double check. So when people have had their blood pressure reading done on one day and let's say it comes out as high or uh, extremely high, should they be given blood pressure medication based on that reading from that day alone? Uh, it depends on the reading. So if it is extremely high, then yes, we do initiate antihypertensive therapy immediately. Mm. Okay. Um, if it's very high, then we might recheck it in three days' time and then initiate antihypertensive therapy. If it's just moderately high, then we might go for a month later. Mm, mm. Um, and if it's mildly high, then we would say lifestyle changes and then antihypertensive therapy. All so right. it depends on the reading and other risk factors. I mean, if they're a smoker, the risk factor is higher. Mm. If they've got diabetes, the risks are higher. Um, if they've got high cholesterol, the risks are higher. So you have to do an additive risk uh, assessment when you're looking at your individual patient and say, right, can I reverse things? Are there other factors that are interplaying and increase the risk of having a heart attack, stroke, or kidney failure? And if there are, then you're going to treat them more urgently. All right. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Erica Jones for now. And Musa is going to bring us the latest headlines. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point and our health talk today focusing on hypertension, high blood pressure. And in a moment, I'll be taking your calls. If you have specific questions about high blood pressure uh, for Dr. Erica Jones, the number to use 011-714-2006. I'm also seeing your messages on 0614-104-107. So, Dr. Jones, just before I get to the questions that have been sent through, Perhaps give me just a bit of your experience, especially as a, a doctor working at Khrutiskir Hospital. What have you found are often the challenges, uh, the treatment challenges that people face, uh, especially those that have been diagnosed with hypertension? 
Okay, so there are many challenges. And one of the, obviously, the biggest challenges is to institute the lifestyle changes, which mm. even if you're taking antihypertensive therapy, you really want to um, institute lifestyle changes as well. It takes a lot of effort to change your lifestyle. If you've been um, not exercising for the last 40 years and eating fast foods every day, high salt, lots of alcohol, it's very difficult to make that change. And people need to be supported through this process. They need to be encouraged and they need to believe in themselves. They need to, it needs to be made accessible and easy. And obviously that can be difficult in South Africa. Um, people have to get to work. There's, in some areas, obviously, there's a crime problem. And patients, I certainly experience quite a lot of patients saying, I just can't go out for a walk in the streets. Mm. That's not a reasonable expectation. And you have to sometimes be a little bit imaginative when encouraging people to to institute the lifestyle changes. And then when you've got a high-salt diet your entire life and you take salt out to diet, people just they can't maintain it. So you mm. have to find alternatives to that. And there are very many alternatives um, that can be advised. Um, strong flavors um, that are non, uh, that don't induce hypertension can actually make it easier to make the changes. Yes. So, so if I hear correctly, Dr. Jones, part of what you're saying is that um, the challenge that we have in our country, more specifically, is that different communities are not necessarily able to implement the the lifestyle changes due to socioeconomic factors. Yes. And that needs to be addressed. That needs to be reversed. We mm. need to have a national kind of accessibility to to a healthy lifestyle. All right, let me go to the WhatsApp line and take some of the questions there. Uh, let's begin here. Hi, Kathy. My mother is 75 and has lived with hypertension for many decades. I'm 39, and although my blood pressure readings are always good, I want to delay or avoid getting hypertension. What precautions can a woman my age take? And that's a message there from Debazo in Kempton Park. That's fantastic. I mean, if you want to do it, you can do it. So you need to start with making sure that you're exercising on a regular basis. The recommendations are 30 minutes, five to seven days a week. Mm. Um, And you're looking at fast walking, running, cardiovascular exercises, not so much weightlifting, um, but lots of cardiovascular related exercise. If you're starting, start off with walking, and then build it up to a full 30-minute walking session, running session, cycling, whatever you prefer, and make sure that you're fitting it in five to seven days a week. Then you want to make sure you're correcting your diet. So that's a diet that is rich in fresh fruit and vegetables. If you grow it, if it's um, uh, a fresh fruit that you can, uh, or fresh vegetables that you don't have to cook, even better. Avoid the salt in the food. High grain content in, content in your diet is also better. We're made to drink water, so mostly water, although tea and coffee, a small amount certainly from coffee, tend to um, make life easier. Take um, salt and sugar out of your diet as much as possible. Low um, 
carbohydrate, especially your white carbohydrate diet. Mm. And alcohol is okay in small amounts. That's one unit per day for a woman and two for a man. And then, obviously, take away smoking. It, no one should be smoking. So, 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 Dr. Jones, one unit of what? <laughs> um, okay. Well, it, uh, look, any, any, um, any specific alcohol, no, there's no specific alcohol that causes, uh, that is better or worse. Mm. So if you're having a beer, you have one beer. If you're having a glass of wine, you have one glass of wine. If you're drinking whiskey, then you have one glass of whiskey. Um, so these are the things. So you, you and you don't mix. You don't say I'm going to have one glass of whiskey, whiskey plus a glass of wine plus a beer because I'm allowed one each. And and I'm and I imagine it's it's not a very big glass either. It's not a big glass. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Let me go to the phone lines. Vusi in Kakiso. Vusi, good morning. Good morning to you, Kathleen. Yes. Uh, yes, I'm a 63-year-old guy, very health, uh, healthy. I was a team instructor. Uh, I don't have to make any lifestyle changes. Mm. But suddenly I went to the doctor and the doctor said my BP is a bit high. We checked everything and then I even I was also sent to the car, uh, cardio to check and he said, you are a fit man. Now we came back and uh, my thing was uh, uh, directed to the uh, stress level. Mm. I see the doctor does not mention that. Can stress because now how do you control that? Because I eat well, I do everything to the core. Mm. So the doctor said probably it's a, it's a stressful life. So I see the doctor does not emphasize on that. Can and 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 Vusi, have you been going through a stressful time? Did that make sense in terms of the potential reason why? I don't know if it could be stretched back to seven years back. I lost both parents. I'm, I'm mm. the only child at home. Same year, but it's seven years ago. It, my father left me at the May and the two months there after my mother, but they were old. Yeah? Mm. So I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm so careful. Yeah. I'm, I'm very fit. I okay. walk almost every day. Vusi, stay, stay on the line. Let me bring in Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones? So stress is, look, it's very difficult to establish the degree to which it ha- impacts blood pressure. We certainly know that it has some effect on blood pressure and we do recommend decreasing stress in your life. That can be challenging obviously. We can't take <laughs> away deaths, we can't take away work, we can't mm. take away financial issues. Um, so there are techniques to de-stress like yoga and meditation and maybe they will help. But if you want to, um, if you're if stress is driving your blood pressure and you have high blood pressure and it persists and your the blood pressure persists elevated then you really need to control the blood pressure with medication you can't just say oh well it's stress i'm not going to treat it you still have to treat it so if you can't reverse that stress and um and control the blood pressure you're going to treat it But there are other factors. Um, 63 can be a contributing factor. Genetics can be a contributing factor. Mm. And once you've got these other factors, you know, they all kind of come together as additive, small things that creep in and cause your blood pressure to go up. And once you've got it, you have to treat it. 
So, so, uh, so, so, Dr. Jones, are you saying that effectively somebody like Vusi, because of his age, um, that, y- you know, it, it, it's unavoidable, even though he's doing everything by the book, if he's got hypertension, it's, there's nothing he can effectively do to, to minimize, um, you know, some of the symptoms or he can't get rid of it on his own without medication? Well, once you've tried to initiate all the lifestyle changes, and in someone who is fit and healthy, it's often more difficult to find something that we can reverse. Um, And so, yes, once you've got a fit, healthy person who's doing all the steps to control Mm. the blood pressure, then there's there's really very little that we can do to um, uh, other than uh, use antihypertensive Mm. medications. Just, just, just to come in there, sorry, uh, just, uh, she, she put me on the smallest dose. He said it's 2.5. It's watery kind of substance. You know, when I go to check, it's, my level is down to 118 over 79, or the highest is 124. So would I now stop, or should I still carry on with that little bit of medication she's giving me? I think you, what you need to take home is that the blood pressure treatment is actually working and it's controlling your blood pressure. And by controlling your blood pressure, you're going to decrease your chances of having a stroke or a heart attack or kidney failure. So stay on the treatment. There are times when it goes too low, but those readings are not too low. Okay. All right. All right, we'll see all Thanks of the so best. Much. Keep well, guys. All, yeah. all bye, the bye. best. All right. Uh, Anonymous in Durban, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, good morning, Cathy. Hi, Anonymous. All right, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I'm 35 years old. Uh, mm. I was just recently told I have uh, high blood pressure. My problem is I've been going up to the hospital, I've been up and down the hospital because I was uh, having chest pain, right? Mm. So while we were still checking, because I, I did so many tests, when I went there the last time, they said, your blood pressure is too high, you have to start a medication. So my question is, uh, I, I, because I was not given the chance maybe to, 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 to do lifestyle change, so I, I want to ask to the doctor if maybe, because I was fighting with the doctor, because no, maybe I should maybe try lifestyle changes before I take the medication. But he said, no, you're coming here for the third time, it's still high. You have to start immediately. So I want to find out if it, with the exercising, because it, up until that time, very uh, my eating was very bad. So I want to find out if uh, I can stop the medication, maybe try lifestyle changes. Okay. So that's very encouraging that you want to do lifestyle changes. I think because you've had chest pain and because what you're telling me is your blood pressure has been very high, it is essential that you continue with the treatment. And then if you institute all of the lifestyle changes and you get the best weight that you can and you're not smoking and you're not drinking too much and everything is perfect, you might lower your blood pressure to a better level and maybe treatment can be taken away. But that's provided the blood pressure is at um, getting, getting kind of on the too low level. So instituting lifestyle changes can allow a person to have some of the medication withdrawn. But because you've had chest pain, you probably need to take the treatment. 
All right. So there is still a possibility of medica- the medication I can still stop. Yes, but provided the blood pressure is normalised, um, and uh, uh, and you know, normal blood pressure on treatment means that the treatment is working and that you need to continue the treatment. So if the blood pressure is too low on treatment, then we can start taking away some treatment. All right. Thanks. All right. All right, Anonymous. All of the best, eh? Thanks. All right. Rachel in Kabeja. Good morning to you, Rachel. Hi, beautiful lady. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you, Rachel. Go for it. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon. I just want to say to you, thank you for this um, informative session again. Um, yeah, um, I was also diagnosed, but very, quite a few years ago. My husband also passed away eight years ago. And I think it must have happened also soon after that because I'm as fit as a fiddle and a hawk all the time, etc., etc. So I'm on the circuit of plus, and I must say um, that my BP is quite good. It's, it's whenever I go for my checkups, doctors very happy with my my my, my pressure, mm-hmm. and I do the stress test every year. And he said once he's never seen such a, a, a excellent stress test. And um, yeah, I just I don't want to go off it. It's like something that I take, like, it's like become a habit. I have to take it every morning, and I can take this one on an empty stomach, which is good. Because the moment I wake, I take it. And um, it's just unfortunate that I'm now chronic. Like, you know, it's almost like that term associated chronic. Mm. But, uh, you know, I've just got to live with this thing. My dad had it, and my sister has it. So I think ours is just in the genes, that thing. Yeah. And I hope that, and I pray that my my son and my daughter don't, you know, have to go on to any of these things. Mm. And I hope, I don't know if it is genetic or whatever, 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 but I think it would would have been that. I don't know if the cause was also stress because when he died, my husband, eight, nine years ago, I don't know if it was that because I had two, three kids, perfectly normal births, you know, nothing wrong with them, etc., so, yeah, I just wanted to say, encourage those that are on medication, don't don't stop. Mm-hmm. Continue with it, you know. The doctors know what they are doing. And when they put you on that tablet, they're doing it for a reason. Don't stop taking it. It's not a nice thing, but it's for your health. Um, that's all I can say, Kathy. All right. Thanks Rachel. for a good show. All right. Thanks, thanks for sure. that, uh, Rachel Inkabeja. I think, Dr. Jones, maybe you can speak to the issue of uh, the disease being hereditary. So yes, there is always going to be a genetic component to uh, to blood pressure, um, it, well, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some people are at higher risk, and some people are at lower risk. If you've got a genetic risk, so your mum's got it, or your dad's got it, or your grandparents have got it, it's worthwhile instituting lifestyle changes at, at an early age. So take it as a warning for yourself to go, I'm going to make sure that I live a healthy life to try and prevent myself from getting hypertension mm-hmm. rather than having to manage it and prevent the complications of hypertension. What, and, and what's a sim- simple test to, to, to distinguish whether or not it could well be hereditary? Because you and I have also been speaking about how this disease is, is also a lifestyle disease. So how do I know that my grandmother had it because maybe she was eating a bit too much salt versus um, she had it because maybe her mother had it? So, you know, there are very few people who have it 
directly as a result of one gene. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's an accumulation of multiple genes along with um, the added insults of lifestyle problems. Mm. So even if you're genetically predisposed, you're not, you're not guaranteed to get hypertension. Um, you need to have the other hit of a poor lifestyle. So if you have a genetic predisposition, so mom has it, dad has it, then you just say, I'm going to live a perfectly healthy life and try and prevent myself from getting it. It's not going to work for everyone, but for many people it will. Joe in the in the in the south of Joburg wants to know if it matters which arm your blood pressure is taken on. So when you initially get diagnosed with hypertension, you should have your blood pressure checked in both arms, because if there is a difference between the two arms, there's a, that could be a, an indication that there's another cause for your hypertension that may be able to be treated. Um, once you have a, uh, have had the readings done in both arms, you're going to measure the blood pressure in the arm with a higher reading going forward. If your blood pressure is pretty much the same in both arms, then you would generally use the non-dominant arm to check blood pressure. Mm, mm. Let me go to Trevor in Durban. Trevor? Hey, everybody. I just thought I'd like to mention something that might help a few people. I'm 68 now, but I was diagnosed with blood pressure in the early 80s. And I've been on uh, medication, you know, like one pill a day or something like that, or mm. ever since. But the thing is that recently um, I was in hospital and uh, they changed the medication, which didn't really make any difference. But I found myself with a bit of anxiety and stuff, and I'd read about chamomile tea so i tried that for a while it seemed to help but it was a bit expensive and so i've started drinking rooibos tea mm. i have about three cups a day and lo and behold the last few times i've been at the hospital my blood pressure has been absolutely spot on everybody has been surprised that it's 120 over 70 and uh it's 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 quite steady at that Look, Trevor, I don't need another reason to drink rooibos tea. You know, like I'll go for it any day. But and so Dr. Jones can speak to whether or not it is, in fact, beneficial for, well, for blood pressure. I, I don't know. I just yeah. thought I'd mention it because I had heard something that if you drink a certain amount of rooibos tea every day for about six weeks, it will lower your blood blood pressure. But I don't know if that's true. But I'm just talking about what happened to me. Sure. And anybody else may find a similar benefit. All right. Stay on the line for me, Trevor. Dr. Jones? I think the biggest um, thing I would take home from this is managing anxiety and stress uh, is really important. And if it takes drinking rooibos tea, then that's fantastic <laughs> um, because that's non-toxic. Um, we need to be careful with... Uh, non um, with using medications or, or, or alternative therapies because we don't always know what they can um, do from a toxicity point of view um, and sometimes we don't know the benefit. Okay, but, look, my, my medication mm. is prescribed so it's not something I've just yes. done by myself and the thing is that the doctor never told me to avoid tea or coffee or anything like that so I presume I'm all right. 
So certainly robust tea hasn't got any evidence of any toxicity. So um, okay. if, it, if it helps control your blood pressure, then um, there's no harm in having it. All okay, right, I just Trevor? thought I'd mention it for yeah. the benefit of those that may find benefit. Look, as 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 a fellow rooibos tea drinker, I know the calming effect that tea has on the system. So maybe mm. that's part of uh, the the result from it, really. Perhaps whatever, but I'm glad I discovered it. All right, all right, Trevor. All the best, man. Uh, let me go to Hoshani in Kronstadt. Good morning. Bimelaus. Likai. Ketendikai. Awaron. Thank you. Look, I, I, I was diagnosed with uh, hypertension somewhere 2011, 2012, specifically, I think it's 2011. Mm. Uh, I had, uh, at my back pain, I could feel some heat, unbearable uh, feeling, drank some uh, pills, uh, panado, uh, and I went to the doctor that when she told me I was diagnosed. I traveled to India. I never drank anything since then. I never felt any pain when I was in India. For those three months, none, no pain at all. Now, one question is that I want to find out. Does environment where you are contribute uh, uh, in, in stress relief mm. or hypertension uh, going down? Uh, because when I was there, I never felt any pain at all. Secondly, uh, recently, uh, the doctor prescribed perianda for me. Uh, I've been taking one pill for perianda. And uh, recently, I had back pains, still a little bit hot from the back, still unbearable, make me drink some uh, two tablets per day. Now, I need to find out whether it is advisable when you feel such pain you know, maybe you think it's high blood, you know, then you can double the 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 the, 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 the pill. Then I went to the doctor, he prescribed me Perianda Plus. After that I even bought um, a, a, a high blood pressure machine that I put on the arm. But still sometimes uh, the pressure goes to up to one forty seven up until eighty, somewhere there less than 50 sometimes it's 137 for me it looks like it is still high what could be uh is it could it be the environment where i am working but sometimes i work mm. in the computer a lot all right and then uh, you know all right Hojani, let's give dr jones an opportunity to to respond so definitely we know that stressful environments can increase your blood pressure. Mm. To what degree it causes a sustained increase in blood pressure, we don't. It's very difficult to, to kind of pull this out and weed this out of, from other factors. But yes, stressful, stress can increase your blood pressure. Um, and so changing your environment to a less stressful environment will help. Pain also increases your blood pressure in the acute setting. Um, so while you've got pain, your blood pressure is likely to be higher. And obviously correcting that pain may decrease your blood pressure. But if you treat it with certain painkillers, those painkillers can also increase the blood pressure. 
Now, there are a couple of issues here. So as we go, often the blood pressure becomes a little bit more difficult to control, particularly in people whose blood pressure is poorly controlled. So if you have uncontrolled blood pressure on treatment, there's a higher chance that you will require more treatment um, and much more treatment as opposed to the person who has a very well-controlled blood pressure, they may stay on their half tablet for the rest of their life. Um, And there are various factors that play in that. If you're wanting to manage your blood pressure by or monitor your blood pressure looking at your home blood pressure readings, the best thing is to sit down and take three readings morning and night for seven days and then get the average readings from that to get an indication of what your blood pressure is. Because... Stress plays a part, work plays a part, Mm. alcohol, your diet, all these things can affect your blood pressure. But if you have a whole week of readings with three readings at each morning and night, then there's a much better chance of you getting a a good average through what um, that you can use to adjust treatment. All right. All right, Rojani, let's leave it there for today, okay? I have understood. Thank you. All right. Scully, good morning. Good morning to you, Kathy. Thank you for taking my call and hello to the guest. Um, My take is, what is the correct blood pressure reading? Normal is less than 120 over 70. Uh, Less, ma'am? Yes. You say less than 120 over 80? Mm. 70. 70. Um, Yeah. That's what oh. we would like. That would be ideal. Below one twenty, over eighty, over, over 70. seventy. Yeah. Seventy. Okay. Right. Would would anxiety cause uh, blood pressure? It can increase your blood pressure for a, for a period of time, but we don't know about long term. Okay, thank right. you, ma'am. All right, Scully, thanks for that. Uh, just quickly on the SMS line, Tulufelo from the Dizobotla says, I was diagnosed with hypertension last year, was put on treatment immediately. Now my BP is controllable. Is it possible for me to beat hypertension with exercise and diet without taking the treatment? So, yes, it is, but that has to be discussed with your doctor before you take away treatment very important to remember that the antihypertensives are working and that's why the blood pressure is controlled. So don't stop unless you've spoken to your doctor and you can withdraw treatment if the blood pressure is going too low on treatment. And in terms of low blood pressure, doctor, do do we have an issue with that? Is it as problematic as high blood pressure? Um, Only if it's induced by treatment or something dramatic like bleeding a lot or mm. or being very sick. If you've got a very low blood pressure, a lot of pregnant women will walk around with very low blood pressures and they're fine, they're healthy. And, and young adults, uh, many adults will walk around with absolutely low blood pressures um, and they're fine as long as as long as you're not falling over, um, <laughs> it's fine. But generally, that's because they would be dehydrated. All right. All right, Dr. Erica Jones, let's leave it there on that note. Thank you so much for your time. And, of course, um, uh, she's a hypertension specialist at the Grotesker Hospital and the University of Cape Town. And she's also with the Heart Foundation. So uh, really great to speak to the doctor there.